Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat. This is the podcast where the Northwest Missouri State University Career Services Office chats with Northwest faculty, staff, students, alumni, and friends to hear about their career journeys, how they got to where they are, and how they became Bearcats. I'm Northwest Internship Coordinator Travis Klein. And I'm Hannah Christian, the Director of Career Services here at Northwest. And on today's podcast, here's my drum roll. We have Valentine Osakwe, and I am the co-founder and CEO at Pip Connects. All right. Welcome, Val. So nice to have you today. Our first CEO, I believe. I know. <laughs> really? I think so, yeah. Oh, wow. I'm I'm honored. <laughs> no, we're we're the ones honored. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So it's good to see you today, Val. It's been a while since I, I mean, you stopped in the office, I think last week or so, but before that, it had been a while uh, since we'd seen you. Um, You were a student here at Northwest. Could you kind of share with us your journey, maybe about how you found Northwest and how you became the founder and CEO of Peep Connect? Oh my goodness. This is a long story, but I would try to condense it as much as possible. You could tell us the long version. (laughs) That's what we're here for. So I, um, I'm originally from Nigeria, and I remember when I was applying to colleges, like the on, like I went to like Education USA uh, at the U.S. consulate in Lagos, and they were on the board. Like they did so many of these uh, bills, like, like schools advertising. Like they, they, we even have like uh, school directors come all the way from U.S. like to come talk to students and stuff like that. And I remember I was looking at the board and I saw this just behind a pile of sheets that was pasted on the board or posted on the board. And it was like, not just Missouri State University. I was like, hey, okay, let's let's have this as something to apply to. So I applied to about 10 schools, 10 different schools. And I had a few in mind that was like my priority where I wanted to go to. University of Mississippi, Ole Miss is one of them. Howard is one of them. So those were like my top two that I really wanted to go to. I did get into these places, but I never ended up going there because I didn't get as much scholarship as I would have loved uh, get getting at those universities. I did get into, I'll not bore you with the names of the school, but I did get Northwest. So the choice then came between Pine Bluff and Northwest. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to send an email to this school. Whichever one that replies first, that's the one I'm going to go to. And lo and behold, Holly Douglas was the first person to respond. He responded on a Sunday. That was a surprise to me. I usually assume Sundays are rest days. He responded and he was really like the way he articulated what he said, it was really human for me. And so I was like, okay. I think choices are made. This is where I'm going to. My friends, my parents, everyone was like, what in the world are you thinking? Missouri, who do you know there? (laughs) Why would you want to go there? Like, it was a really big discussion. But my mind was made up. Everything was made up. So lo and behold, I came to Northwest. And... Holly ended up being my advisor. <laughs> so it was it, 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 it came full circle at the end of the day. Over my years at Northwest, one of my goals was really, one thing I really honed in on for myself was one, be curious, two, learn, three, try to inspire others. There's something I always tell myself, I tend to walk a path where there is usually no road and then leave a trail for others to follow behind me. 
And that made me get into activities that I really, uh, like I love, like where it is that make an impact, whatever that means. I know impact is a big word. It's a big word to use, but I'll use it either way for this. I wanted to make my impact in, in, in anywhere I can. And so I joined the Student Senate as a freshman. I became a TA, what, second semester, being a freshman. So uh, that was really nice. And then um, I also joined other student organizations, like African Student Organization was starting up. Then I, with Ava and a few others, we started the International Student Organization, but this was kind of like sophomore year, uh, or, or I think junior, sophomore, junior, around sophomore, junior. I also, like I did, a, I, I was in a lot of student-led organizations and student-led, I, I can't even name most of them here. But I focused on the three key things that really did inspire me. Like, firstly, be curious. Two, learn. Three, inspire others. That led me on a journey to, one, honing my skill as a person, uh, tap into what it is. I think everybody in this world has some unique skills that they have to offer. I don't know what it is. You just have to find your own calling, right? But it's always doing something out of your comfort zone that you find what that unique, unique skill is. People see me and say, oh, you are an extrovert. I am definitely not an extrovert. I am an introvert. But I put myself in uncomfortable situations that need me to learn, honing on my skills. So I remember final year, um, the goal always was graduate, work for a big company, or possibly just do something, like do something different, out of the norm. I remember starting with the idea of Pip Connect, what it was going to be. I didn't know anything about startups. I didn't know anything about the company. I didn't know anything about anybody. But it was like I said, curious. Can, is this something you can do? I don't know. Learn. Why don't you go try and see if you can do it? Okay. So I remember I connected through um, Carol Spradlin to Thomas Sanchez. He's the CEO as social driver. And he became like a very great mentor to me. I reached out to him. Uh, I told him about my idea. He was the first person I pitched my idea. He loved it. He didn't love, well, he loved the idea. He loved what I was doing, but he loved the fact also that a beer cat came to him with something like this. He, but then he told me that idea, it's going to change a lot even before you launch, but get started. That's the most important thing. It's just like you jump out, jump in the mud and try to figure a way around things. And so me and a few friends, we started hacking at Big Connect and Earlier this year, we even after I graduated, we raised some funds from some investors. Earlier this year, we got into the second world best accelerator in the world, the second world best accelerator, which is Techstars. Uh, we finished Techstars like three weeks ago. And now we are in full mode of, we call it in founder life. It's like a wall. Throw things at the wall and see what sticks. <laughs> You, it's all about figuring things out because no one knew Google the day they started. Or I can tell you, no one heard about Google until like the fourth or fifth year because they took time to try and try again and try again. If they failed, they got back up. So this, we're in that process of figuring out what it is that's scalable and how do we market ourselves at Space Connect. And so, but the whole idea about Pip Connect, if I do say so, is the idea of connecting people building a community, not just for ourselves, but for the businesses that are in the, in the ecosystem. We believe that 
the present state or the present technology do, doesn't work for small businesses, especially when it comes to connecting to the customers that actually matters to them. So our goal is not just to increase frequency, which is bringing more customers for them, but also to increase basket size. So how do we turn from getting that $1 to $3? How do we turn that $5 to $20? And that is our goal entirely here at Pip Connect. We believe that there was a match my co-founder and I did, and it's we believe if every American spent 10 extra dollars at their local neighborhood shop, it creates $3 billion a year. Just imagine, $3 billion that goes back to this ecosystem. And that is our goal here. That is something. It's not like you shopping at Walmart and then the money gets taken to Arkansas or something. That is our goal here. That is something we want. We want to create brands for small businesses, but also empower them to connect with people that matter the most to them. So is this through an app? Is this through a, a platform? Can you talk a little bit more about the very technical details of Peep Connect? Like, how do you use it? How do you find it? How, if I'm a small business, like, how, how do I get on there? Let me do a little bit of shameless promotion for myself. <laughs> so uh, right now, because we are still in the early stages, we are geography agnostic um, in the sense that we pick places that we want to be. So there are three key places that we are at, which is Emporia, Columbia, and Maryville, Missouri. We are a two-sided marketplace of which for the businesses, they have like a front-end facing uh, platform where they interact with for their customers, who we have like an app facing, like a user frame for them. We're currently only on iOS for now. So if any business wants to get in touch with us or help, like want to work with us first in those locations that we're at, we have our website, which is peepwaitlist.com. We just have businesses. They just schedule a time with us. And then we walk in and actually onboard these businesses, like walk them through uh, our product, how they are able to use it, what it is that it does. Um, the reason why we do it and not just going in and having people sign up is I tend to think we sell our smile first. We sell our first face first before we sell our product. And because we are tapping into community-centric products, we want to be able to know these business owners by name. We want to be able to, because these are people you walk down the road and you, road and you say, hi, George, how are you doing? How's the kids doing today? There's love that comes from there. Like there's an, a, there's an abundance of community that comes from there. Like even if when they make your coffee, it tastes so much better than what, honestly, what you get at Starbucks. Because why? You know them, you connect with them. It's all about that love. And that is what we are trying to, and that's why we do it manually with these businesses, like talk to them. And we always keep talking to them to maybe kind of understand what is it that we need to change? How do we better ourselves? And, how do we communicate what you have to, how do we know we're providing value to you? Because we want to provide, give first, provide value to you. Because if we don't provide value, then we're non-existent, if that makes sense. I'm always interested. We've had a couple of students who, who came from other countries to the U.S. to study. So I'm always interested. What was that decision-making process like? You said you're from Nigeria. So, you know, yes. Nigeria to Maryville is a very, that's a very long <laughs> trip and not a straight line. So how'd you make yes. the decision that, you know, I want to go to the U.S. and study, I want to do this, you know, is that something you always wanted to do or did it come up, you know, throughout your secondary schooling or how did you make that decision? To be honest, there's always been this idea of the American dream and what it entails, not just for you, but also for what you aspire to be. 
if there is anything at all, that was what I tapped into. But while saying that, I will say right now, the question most people ask themselves is, is it worth it? Because I know prior to even coming to the US, I had the opportunity to go to like London. I actually, actually, I was going this close to going to London. <laughs> like, I, 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 because um, I got like, I have, I have family in the UK and like there's better connection. Like I feel it's much more favorable and also Canada. Like, so these two places were kind of more of a priority, but that idea of American dream and what it could entail kind of superseded every other opportunity that was there. And that was what I tapped into and that was what I honed in on. Can I do this? The, well, what's the worst that can happen? How worse can it get? That like you go and you don't make it. But those are kind of the things that I focused on or that I honed in on um, when making my decision and deciding to take that leap of faith, travel and go to a different country to study. I, I can see some connection here between, you know, you're talking about community being important with Peep Connect. Can you talk about tech stars a little bit. How, if I am watching this and I'm maybe an ambitious student or an ambitious, gosh, maybe if I want to do a startup, right? Because you've inspired me, right? (laughs) Talk to us about the process of founding a company, including like going to a tech incubator. What kind of hurdles, what kind of learnings have you had? What kind of experiences? This is the fun part about starting a company. You have to be crazy to say you want to start a company. And you have to keep, look at this math, only about 30% of startups make it past their first six months. Out of these 30%, only about 5% make it past their one year mark. Out of these 5%, 90% fail before they get to their third year. So that one extra percent is actually what gets successful. So you have to see this math. Be crazy enough to challenge this, but it is the best thing that could ever happen to you. I tell myself today, like me today, being being an entrepreneur, wouldn't have hired myself last year. (laughs) And that is the truth. And this is why it matters. To go into a startup, one of the things that people do it different ways, if you, the first thing you need is that you need to come up with a problem. What problem do you want to solve? What's the problem that you're having that you see other people having that problem that you would like to solve? And start with the, then come up with a solution. How do you solve that problem? These are the key basic foundation of any company. I see a problem and I know I'm not the only one that has the pro- this problem. There are other people out there that have this problem. And I think, and I want to go solve that problem. Yay! Now, this is where the crazy idea comes in. You need to build what I call is an alpha, like a test run of validation, because you need to build conviction around what it is that you're solving. Is this really a problem? Yes. How big is this problem and how can I solve this problem? People go around, there's people, Uber and Lyft are solving the same problem in two, almost the same way, but they're still solving the same problem. So how will I go about solving this problem? What makes me different from that person close to me that is solving the same problem? Is my solution, do I believe that my solution is better than theirs? Does it provide more value? Can it make money? 
especially if you want to go like if you want to like if you're putting it has to make money it's not something that's always uh, ignored so then once you build that conviction then this is where the question is you have to decide do you want to fund like you need funds you need capital to run a business right so do you go to investors like we have various investors like their angels their vcs uh, which is venture capitalists and there are like SPVs and there's so many the crowdfunding there's so many like how do you want to raise funds or if you have the money you can if you have the, the money that's like a hack you put in your own money and then you just keep working at it right but if you don't have the money you need to get the money from somewhere else it's like convincing someone to give you their money to go work on something that you're going to bring back returns for them say in five ten years right that's the hard part that's the hardest part Okay, that's not actually, that's one of the hardest parts. So it's all about that process of being able to, and then it's, that's where that conviction you built earlier is because then they're going to, how do you think this is a problem? So you build something like a pitch deck. On your pitch deck, you're going to have, your, what's the problem? What's the solution? What's your product like? How are you going to make money? Who are, like if there are investors who are your, on your cap table, uh, who are your competition? Where are competitors and how do you differentiate your, yourself from them? So you build the pitch deck and you go pitch these people and you talk to these people or you find a way to fundraise. For some people, when they have like for some people, when they have an idea, they decide uh, then it's in the process of fundraising. You look at options available to you. So you look at incubators, you look at accelerators, you look at what is there, who are those people that I could connect with, or even industry experts that are in this space that I can talk to that can advise me on. Okay, don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this. I have made every mistake in the book. It's all about making mistakes because when you make a mistake, it's a learn. I see it as a bend road, not an end road. Some people like they're like, oh, I'm so tired. I don't see that. I see a bend road, not an end road. You take the bend, take what you learn, take that bend and just keep going. You get to your destination at some point. So it's in that, like I was saying, it's in that spirit of fundraising or how do you connect with investors? Some people go through accelerators, not for their money, but because they want to connect with mentors, advisors, people that can help them get to that customer or get to that next thing or get to that next milestone. So you then start organizing yourselves. And then if it's not something you can do alone, you get a co-founder or you hire people to work with you on. And then that's basically what it is starting a company. Now, if you decide to fundraise, be ready to have like a gazillion meetings on your calendar. Everything about being a founder is 80% meetings and 20% execution. Like my day, top to bottom, Monday to like 5 p.m. is like meetings back to back. And then from five, that's when I actually put the work in. So there's nothing like holiday. Like I don't even have Sundays off. I don't have, I don't even know what those mean. TGIF, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> that doesn't exist in my vocabulary. <laughs> so yeah, th that is kind of the steps you have to take to be able to get there. And I would say fundraising and uh, hiring is kind of the two hardest things when it comes to that. So talk to us about hiring. That's actually a, a great segue for us. You said you wouldn't hire yourself from a year ago, right? So what do you <laughs> look for now as someone who has to have responsibility for hiring others, what do you look for in a candidate? First, I look for someone that is coachable. 
I look for someone I can work with. Usually when you hire someone, they are not, you hire someone because they have an expertise in something and you want them to accomplish a task. So can they really be able to accomplish this task? Also, is it someone that you can say, okay, uh, we need to do X, Y, Z, and this is what it is. Like, I can guide it. There's uh, so much hand-holding I can do. The rest is up to you to figure it out. So it makes hiring hard because you can't just go out there and find that perfect person for that perfect role, for that perfect thing, and then they solve that problem perfectly. Because you, your first three hires might not even be the right one. There's a synonymous, there's something we say, Uber is the company that when they were a startup, this is, they were the mindset that started this. It's hire fast and fire fast. <laughs> like if you're hiring fast, you need to be able also to fire fast. And it sounds so negative, but it is not because when someone comes into your organization, you want to be able to make sure that this person actually can deliver on the value that they provided. Also, personally, I don't look at, uh, what's it called? Resumes these days. Uh, I, yeah, okay, I look at them, but I don't really focus on them because people can put a lot of things in their resume, but talk is cheap. Execution is the key. Like when it comes, can you actually execute on it? Good, okay, let's do it. So I don't really look at resumes. Uh, for me, my hiring process is kind of a little bit complicated, but simple at the same time. Two things I look at, I look at their LinkedIn just to see, do they have a, a web profile? Like who are they, what have they worked on? Do I have people like if I say, I want to reach out now to call someone and say, can you tell me something about this person? And they can be able to provide it. The second thing that I look for is I want to know their thoughts. I want to know how they think. Where I get that information, Twitter. I go on their Twitter profile. I hope people have, if you don't have a Twitter profile, then I'm like, uh, uh, <laughs> I kind of organize it that way. So the second place I look at is I want to go on your Twitter profile. I want to see, because culture for me is everything. There's a culture I'm trying to like exhibit at my company. And I want to know that if you come in, you can fit into the culture that we have, but also be able to work perfectly. So that's why I go to their Twitter. I want to know who they are, what they think about, what is it, what, what are their thoughts, what do they talk about? And that's those are the two places I go to. Those are the two places that make me have that decision of yes or no. That's good insight. Looking at social media presence, you know, we tell students all day long that what you put on social media matters and it's important, but it's nice to actually hear it from someone who actually does hiring, that it is really important. So that's good to hear that that, that is important. The truth is that it's not just for me. If companies are not telling you, it's a freaking lie. It's a freaking, it's the biggest lie. It's not a secret anymore. Like even like I go to panels and I talk with other CEOs, but they have people, they're recruiters. This is what they do. Like I've talked to so many, before I even started recruiting, I talked to a lot, I got feedback from them. Oh my gosh. You're like, you have no idea how many, oh geez, these people. <laughs> Oh my gosh, but I don't, uh, for me, the best recruiting process when it comes to a big company that I've seen is Stripe. Stripe has the best 
recruitment process in among every single company I have ever come across. Better than Google, better than Apple, better better than the best. And I, that that's the culture I hope to put someday when I. What makes it good, in your opinion? So for big corporate companies, what they do is that those things you go to Indeed and you see, it's that is not a company putting those there. They hire recruiters that do those there. So the mandate they give the recruiters is just give me the top 10% that comes through the funnel. So when recruiters get those, when you apply to Indeed, you're not really applying to the company, you're applying to recruiters. Now the recruiters kind of separate the meat, like the sizzle from the steak, like what's the sizzle, what's like they kind of separate these two. And they come up with like the mandate, which is the top 10%, and then they forward it to the HR. Now the HR on the other end takes this, looks through it, make their own cut, and then forward it to the various departments that have requested for this. Now, that's why you have that uh, three-step process when it comes to interviewing. The first interview after you have it with the, with the company is the recruiter, which is working in tandem with the HR. That's the recruiter doing the interview. The second interview you have is with the actual HR. The third interview, which they usually add technical interview, is with the, I think, program manager or product manager, like whoever is in charge of that department that they are forwarding you to. So that's why there's a three-step process or a two-step process, depending. So that's the way it is. So for recruiters that are hired by Stripe, one of the things they tell them to do is, if you come across a candidate that you see that is not fit for the role you're hiring, because she's recruiters hiring specifically for something. If you see they're good, do not remove them entirely. Pass them on to the recruiter still in this company that is hiring for that role that you think that they're good for. And that is amazing. Because you might be applying for one role, but according to your skill set, they feel like you're not good for this role, but you're good for this other role. So they've been granted that privilege to forward your name, instead of saying, oh, we're not we're not going to hire you because you apply for this and this is what you could. They have that privilege of forwarding it to recruiters that are hiring for what they think will work best for them. And that's why I love Stripe. Very insightful. What advice would you have for students who maybe also want to start something up or have, an, have a great idea like you did and want to go through the process? You know, what do you wish you would have known when you were starting all this that you know now, but you didn't necessarily know then? Oh. Like I said, I made so many mistakes in the book. Like every single mistake you could think of, I made it. Uh, I am still making them until today. I'm still learning from them. I just talked to a mentor of mine yesterday and I got my mind blown in so many ways. She's a director at one of the top VC firms in Chicago. So what is it that I know now? The first thing is believing yourself, like self-belief. Admittedly, there was Hannah. I think we had, did have this conversation. Northwest is not the best place. Like, it's not the most entrepreneurial university. I think it's because that foundation hasn't been laid. That seed hasn't been planted among the students. I mean, there is there are so many opportunities. Why is Princeton, Harvard, Stanford? Why do they have the, like privileged entrepreneurs? And it's all about the connections that these places have. First, you need to believe in yourself. So many people are going to give you advice. So many people have an opinion on what you think you should do, but you shouldn't take people's opinion word for word. Believe in yourself, believe in what you're doing, take it and go work, take advice, but also weigh those advice as regards to what it is that you're doing. 
take it for what it's worth. Don't say take it as a given. Take it for what it's like. See how you incorporate it. If it's not something that fits, let it just pass through. Just let it go. It's like a sieve. Sieve it. See what actually weighs better that you can hold up to and what doesn't. And just keep. But believe in yourself. Have conviction in yourself. That alone is the most important thing when it comes to entrepreneurship. So it's all about you. It's all about your team. And I tell other founders, I don't care who you hired. I have the best team. But you can go figure it out. <laughs> Like, go figure. I don't care who you are. I have the best team. And I still maintain today, I think I have the, not that I, I know I have the best people to work at this. Can you share with us your vision? I know you were in here, like I said, last week, we were kind of brainstorming, kind of trying to, mm -hmm. to figure out how we could get some, some of this inspiration, right? Spread yeah. around. So can you share with us maybe your vision for what you hope to maybe build here at Northwest as an alum, as a, you know, a member of the community here. Yeah. So uh, uh, Hannah, thank you for touching on that. I think one of the, my goals for Northwest is I want to break the stigma of what Northwest is today. You know, that's small town college, remote misery. When people ask me, where do you go to college? I am not making this up. That's like first time, like, to me, earlier on, it was a huge difference. Now, I kind of wear it as a badge of honor and a strength. Like, I'll go into meetings with other founders, and people will be introducing yourself. Hi, my name is this uh, alum Stanford. Hi, my name is this alum Harvard. Hi, my name is this alum USC. Hi, my name is this alum. They're just introducing themselves all around, then they get to my thumb. Hi, my name is Val, Northwest Missouri. And they're like, where is that? <laughs> so my goal is I want, if possible, I, I want Northwest to be one of the best entrepreneurial universities in the region. And there is no reason why we can't have people that work at much bigger companies, be it, I think the, the last year COVID has democratized a lot of access that you can even stay on, on a mountain in Timbuktu and be working for Google. That is the way the world is going today. So I want to be able to inspire students to reach more, aim more, get more. If let's say someone wants to work at PayPal, I can pick up the, oh, I know someone that works at PayPal, but let's talk to them. Because that is what makes Harvard great. That is why I, I, I even propose, like I want to do like a mixer session where I invite like these, uh, I want to be able to give more, like bring in these uh, industry experts from these to kind of talk about what is the process about even getting into these places and also have students network with getting them also inspire more students to be entrepreneurs like you guys have no idea how many companies that come through my funnel and say hey we're going to pay you this amount of money just leave what you're doing and come do it and come work for us if you're learning from other people when you're working for someone if you get out right out of college i say once you get right out of college get into a project for work for a startup it will you learn a lot because why you learn is a normal life working for a normal company is like it goes up then you keep doing the same thing. And let's say you get a, 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 an improvement or you get, you just go up again, like you, you get upgraded and keep doing the same thing. It's not, but when you work for a startup, you're like doing, you have like five different things that you're doing all at the same time. So it just keeps going up and up and up and up, straight line up because every day you're not doing something sick. 
every day you're learning something different. And especially if you buy into the motor, like the, what it is, the vision that the company has, you don't see it as work. You see it as somewhere you go and have fun. And that I don't see work as work today. I see it as fun because even days that I, that I have bad days, I know that I can count on my my like the people I work with, my partners. Like I call them my partners, not employees, or even like I can work with them. So that's the way I see it. Awesome. Thank you, Val. Thank you so much, Hannah. Thank you so much, Travis. Oh my gosh, we're going to change Northwest. Let's see if we can get more people to build to build more things. Let's see. So you mentioned reaching out to to Thomas to be a mentor. If someone wants to reach out to you and maybe they'd like you to be a mentor, what's the best way they can get a hold of you? Find me on Twitter at Valoder. Send me a DM via Twitter. I always keep in touch with my DMs, so I always respond. I can even give my email, uh, V-O-S-A-K-W-E at speak.dev. Feel free to always email me directly. And Twitter is the best place. Twitter is the most fun place. So it's chill. I'm not uptight in business. I don't know. I'm a tech guy. I like things being cool. I like, I like the casual, you know, just DM me on Twitter and be like, hi, how are you doing? Follow me, DM me, and then we can set up a conversation and we can chat. Thank you so much, Val. Thank you for being a guest on Behind the Bearcat. Thank you so much for having me. This is an honor. All right. Well, that will do it for another episode of Behind the Bearcat, and we'll talk to you next time.